If you're a veteran or military spouse of an early stage startup or small business and feel like you're making it up as you go, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to The Transition, where we demystify the entrepreneur experience for veterans and military spouses who've already made or looking to make the transition from the military into entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the voice of the bunker. I'm a Marine Corps veteran, social entrepreneur, and member of the Bunker Labs branding team. I'm fired up for the following episode of The Transition because I had an opportunity to sit down with Air Force veteran Mario Mitchell, a Bunker Labs ambassador out in Las Vegas and co-founder of Mech Ventures, an early stage venture capital firm that's building the future of pop culture. Mario and I are joined by his co-founder, Bruce Hamilton, a military brat and serial entrepreneur. Together, the pair are changing the game of venture capital by redefining what it means to be a VC and investing in underestimated and underrepresented founders. On the show, they open up about their entrepreneurial backgrounds, what led them to start Mech Ventures, and how they're planning to redefine VC culture. It's not every day I get to interview two black venture capitalists, so I apologize in advance if I come across a little giddy. Before you hear from the three of us, make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I send out a newsletter at least once a week sharing the latest episode of The Transition, And if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at mike.stedman at bunkerlabs.org or connect with me on LinkedIn at Iron Mike. This episode of The Transition is brought to you by the MetLife Foundation and their commitment to supporting veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs. In addition, the foundation also provides mentorship and financial health resources to veterans and military spouses transitioning into the workforce. As always, I hope you enjoyed today's show and that accelerates you on your own entrepreneurial journey. Mario and Bruce, welcome to the bunker. I'm fired up, y'all. Listen, I wish y'all all could see me on camera. I'm smiling because it's not every day I get to sit with two African-American venture capitalists, man. I feel privileged. <laughs> no, thanks for having us, man. Like, I've, I know I've, I've known you for a cool second, especially in this bunker community, and I'm I always look up to some a ton of things that you do, you know, helping you to try to find a purpose. Like, you know, iron Mike Stedman, the boxing coach. Like, I'm trying to get in on that. I wish I I was involved in that when I was up in New York. Could have helped me. Um, could have helped me stay safe when I was out there in these streets in New York. You know. Yeah, me and Mario been pinging each other back and forth on Slack, on LinkedIn. Got to make time to jump on the podcast, but we got Bruce here too. So I'm fired up, man. And what I would love for you two to do is just take a moment and introduce yourselves to our listeners. Uh, Bruce, you can go first, and then Mario, you can bring it home. All right, I'll start. Uh, Yeah, my name is Bruce Hamilton. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur and general partner at Mech Ventures. Uh, It's been an interesting journey to get here. You know, I've been in the tech space for about five, six years now. Had a few startups. Uh, Some have gone on to do well. Some have failed horribly, but Everything is, you know, a learning lesson and it's guided me to this this moment right here to partner up with Mario and just just kind of reshape and redefine what venture capital is. Now, Bruce is not a veteran, but he comes from a military family. Share some light on that for us, Bruce. Yeah, my father was in the Navy for 20 plus years. Um, you know, I was a military kid, so I moved around a lot, you know, made a lot of friends along the way. And I think that actually helped me with you know, where I am in my life now, just always being able to adopt to different surroundings and just being able to talk with different people and create different relationships along the way. 
Yeah, he's family, y'all. Y'all hear that? If you're part of that military connected community, you're family, man. And so we're honored to have you here and uh, sharing these words of wisdom uh, to our listeners, man, because being a serial entrepreneur, launching multiple startups, going through that failure, you know, that's the kind of knowledge we need. We don't just need people that just try to, you know, have the 300 missing pages and that it came up with an idea. Next thing you know, it was off to the races. No, we want the real stuff, man. And uh, you and Mario are going to be able to guide us through that. Now, what about you, Mario? Yeah, no, thanks, Mike. <clears throat> so my name is Mario Mitchell. I'm also a general partner at Mech Ventures. I'm a military vet, so aka Veshpreneur, right? I know the struggle, what it's like transitioning out of the military and trying to find a sense of purpose. And I found that in entrepreneurship. So I pretty much am pr- I like proud to be here um, and be a part of like the community and everything that we're doing. I just appreciate new media like podcasts because, you know, like this just gives us such an opportunity, man. Like where else are we going to be able to talk to two black venture capitalists, you know, on these platforms all spread out across the country? You know, this is powerful stuff, man. And I'm probably going to release this around Black History Month. But I just I just want you guys to know how much I appreciate and value your time and how much, man, you, you guys inspire me. You know, thanks. Like I say, I can say the same for you for everything that you've done. I read just about all the articles up on you, heard the podcast, you know, just being part of the bunker community. I always say there's not enough people that look like us that's trying to break into entrepreneurship. But between you and my friend Renee, like y'all giving it hope that back entrepreneurship in the veteran space is something that I can look forward to. I'm actually, and I'm writing a book too called Black Veteran Entrepreneur that's going to be coming out uh, at the end of the year. So, you know, I got to definitely send you guys a copy, maybe even feature a story in there. Oh, for sure. Now, venture capital, okay? You know, you guys are the ones that are cutting the check, right? You got entrepreneurs coming to you, crawling on their hands and knees, begging for coin. But one of the things we do on this show is we take off our armor. And when people see you as venture capitalists, when they see you as successful entrepreneurs, they assume that you got it going on. When really, we're all dealing with challenges of life and business behind the scenes. So what I would love for you both to do is take off your armor and let our listeners know something you're struggling with, either personally or professionally, as venture capitalists. Bruce, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, I mean, the main thing, man, is, you know, you hear it a lot, imposter syndrome. Like, I just, you know, I, I always struggle with this because I always feel like, I just haven't done enough or I'm not doing enough. And, you know, and then it's something that just always stays with me, like no matter how much, you know, recognition and press that, you know, we as a company or I get, I just still just like, man, like what if someone uncovers that, you know, I'm just like a frog or something crazy like that. Um, and it, yeah, it, it kind of haunts you, but then, you know, sometimes, and it gets, it's good to have, you know, a strong group of people around you that kind of remind you of like, yo, you've done a lot. You've done more than most people have, but you know, it's, it's still a fear. And, you know, but it also kind of drives me at the same time to just constantly keep going. I, I always tell people I'm, I'm constantly in go mode. Like I'm always thinking of like, what's next? What's the next move? That's dope. And a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome, right? Of probably 80% of the guests I've had on the show, when I ask them to take off their armor, it's imposter syndrome. It's that feeling like a fraud. You know, it's just these voices in the back of our head that are constantly telling us, don't don't shine too bright. You know, you ain't really got it going on like you think you do. Uh, but I appreciate you sharing that for our listeners. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm here to, you know, just be vulnerable and, and be informative at the same time and just let everybody know, like, we're all on the same page. Like, no one's better than anybody else. 
Yeah, I think I'm right there with you, Bruce. Um, Pasta syndrome is something that I also deal with. And it's like a daily thing. I, I would go back to about two and a half years when I first got into the bunker space. I had it then. And I think I had it because I didn't see many people striving to do the same thing that I wanted to do that looked like me. Um, you know, coming from the military to where I'm at now, that's the thing. Like most officers I ever, I've ever seen, all my commanding officers have always been, you know, white. And that's always been an issue for me because I'm like, I want to be an officer, but I never thought I belonged. Coming to entrepreneurship, I answered bunker, it's the same kind of like look and feel. But I still felt like the military and that once again didn't feel like I belong, but I figured this is the time for me to create something where I can feel like I belong. And I brought a chapter to Vegas to do just that. But day in, day out, even being in Nevada, Las Vegas, once again, not many people are, are we're the only black VC firm in Nevada, which means I don't have many people I can fall back on and talk to that knows the struggles that I'm going through. So that's going to always be that constant battle that I have to deal with. But surround myself around, you know, around Bruce's, the Bruce's of the world, you know, the Mike's of the world, the Renee's of the world. It gives me that, that sense of hope that I can make an impactful change where my issues are what I've gone, gone through doesn't come out for others. I can be that that uh, guinea pig that tests trials and tests all the, the actual outcomes and really provide a solution to where this becomes a norm. This is like a regular thing to where we can create funds, we can create processes and not be the first to do it, but it's just a normal thing, you know, to achieve. And representation matters. You know, that's why I was so fired up because like you, when I entered this space, you know, it, I was like one-on-one in a lot of spaces, but now with our ability to create firms, you know, funds and platforms like this that we can bring us together, I got fired up because I feel the agency. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel one-on-one. I feel like I'm, you know, chopping it up with two dope entrepreneurs. So that's why, you know, this stuff is so powerful. And, you know, I'm interested in learning, you know, what brought you two together? How did you guys meet? And what gave you the confidence? Because, Mario, I call it punching above our weight, right? I'm a little bit of a lifestyle entrepreneur, running my small business, running my nonprofit. And I know that starting a startup is a whole nother level, right? Because you're going for that big you know, 10, 20, 100x return. Starting a venture capital fund is the most elite asset class really there is in the country. And we already know that, what, 1%, if that, because you never know who's doing these statistics. You know, they start fudging numbers to, to, to make us, to make these spaces look more inclusive. But man, you guys really are punching above your weight. So I'm curious to know, you know, how this happened. I want to know the story behind it. Yeah, I, so we we both actually worked at another firm, and that's how we initially met. It wasn't like, oh, let's walk on the street, because it's a coffee shop, let's connect. But we were both, so we never met each other before we started working at this firm. And we realized, at least for me, I realized we were bringing a lot to the table. Like, we're, we're working underneath someone, and that's how entrepreneurship kind of takes its toll anyway. We're working underneath someone, and we're doing a ton of the work where I felt like we can actually do our own thing. And Bruce is already ahead of me. Like he'd already been like 10 steps ahead where he was already formulating like some plans because we have the skill set. So we had a conversation offline and we realized like we can do this 10 times better. And so we broke away from that firm and we kind of just started Mech Ventures. Mech Ventures is born 
I think within six weeks of us being a part of the first fund, like officially part of the first firm that we were part of. And we said we can do it better. And we've been running, you know, ever since. Like we have not slowed down yet. We've been sprinting across the finish line and we're still sprinting. What about your uh, entrepreneurial backgrounds? Oh, yeah, I'll jump in with mine. Um, so, I mean, I've been, God, I've been doing this thing for a minute now. <laughs> it feels like a century um, that I've been doing this. Um, so my, my previous career was in the music industry, actually. Um, I worked at Live Nation, worked at Sony Music, um, was an A&R, worked with some really dope talent like Travis Scott, Fifth Harmony, um, worked on a thing like a Man 2 soundtrack. And then from there, I actually launched my very first company, which was a talent management company called Samurai. Uh, managed some really successful artists there. Um, and then, then actually shifted into tech shortly after that. And kind of going back to what you're saying about representation matters, I actually never even thought about going into tech until I met these two brothers named William Lee and Kofi. God, I don't want to say his last name wrong. I want to say it's Frimpong, but... They had this startup called uh, Brand Slip, and they were the very first um, influencer agency. Like, no, they were years ahead of their time, and this is back when like Vine was super big. But just seeing these two brothers like raise money and actually like do a startup, I was like, why have I never thought about doing something like this? And you know, I grew up playing with computers and video games, like build a computer when I was a kid, just doing all that kind of stuff, and always being tech savvy. I was like, why have I not even thought about that? But meeting those two guys like really sparked the fire to kind of step into that ring. So I actually started um, for music. I actually wanted to build a social music platform that was going to combine the best features of Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, and uh, SoundClick. We're actually going to try to make like the next generation of SoundClick of like a marketplace that would connect uh, a music producer marketplace, essentially. Um, so we spent eight months, hired a team overseas, and then I kind of, we, we got the MVP together. So I looked at it from a consumer perspective. And when I looked at it, it reminded me of the new MySpace when Justin Timberlake was a creative director where it looked really cool, but no one knew what to do when it got there. So we ended up scrapping the project um, instead of moving forward with it. But then I'm, I'm based in Los Angeles. So just kind of being in LA, I realized social currency is like a big deal here. So then we launched uh, CrowdBoost literally a month later, which was like a, um, a social media growth hacking company. And that company did surprisingly like really well out the gate. Like when that company launched Instagram that very week, Instagram shut down our biggest competitor. And then The Verge mentioned my company as a replacement. I never reached out to them, never talked to anybody over there. I don't even know how they found it, but they mentioned our company as a replacement. And then, like, we just had a surge of new users immediately and took off. Um, and then I took the profits from that and then built out uh, Wing Zero Apps, which is um, our current app development platform that allows people to build apps without coding. Um, and then, yeah, and then that's about to hit its four-year anniversary, um, you know, thankfully. Um, and then just taking the profits and this kind of started experimenting with other projects along the way that some... Kind of, kind of did some, but like we eventually shut it down. We had some that like, that like, like a like an airplane, like it, it went up in the sky and it landed almost immediately. Um, but yeah, all those things just taught me like valuable lessons. I never took any of them as like a loss. I just learned valuable lessons and then just kind of like general understanding of how like finding a community or finding product market. I always learned like a valuable gem 
from any any of those failures or wins. And that's how uh, we've gotten to this point. I was like, oh, I can apply all of this and go into venture capital. I felt like I have all the tools to like do really well in venture capital, which is how we got here. So for those initial companies, did you raise venture capital funds for them or were you just bootstrapping and hustling? Bootstrapping the entire time. I, <laughs> when I tell you about imposter syndrome, I always felt I was never good enough to raise money. So I just never even attempted it. I was like, yeah. I'm just going to get it out the mud and figure it out myself. Yeah, it's crazy. You read all these tech books and they're like OPM, other people's money. Never use your own money. Um, and, or even people that are like purchasing businesses and stuff. But like, I just haven't had that experience myself. I've always bootstrapped. And like you said, you know, I meet a founder and all of a sudden it changes my whole paradigm. Like there's a paradigm shift. And so um, part of that is, you know, not limiting ourselves to what's possible. And like, I'm giving myself a pep talk as I'm saying this, y'all, because for me, I'm like, I'm scared of raising venture capital and I'm scared of starting a fund, but I know that that's something I want to do, you know, aspirationally in the future. I think you got to do it. It's got to do it, huh? So I guess it's my go. So just like everyone else, it seems like I actually intend to work entrepreneurship after the military, so I did eight years and got out and I started a marketing company called Blue Lace Marketing. It's called Blue Lace Marketing because at the time, Nipsey Hustle, um, that was my jam, Blue Laces too. That was my jam. I started my every morning out with it. So I was like, why not call my marketing company that? Because it inspired me to get up and do what I did every day. So shout out to my boy, David Mann. He's a Marine as well. Uh, um, he pretty much was my partner and we knew nothing about running the business we knew nothing about outside of like buying courses and learning digital marketing so we broke into that and everything was great and we pretty much was like all right we're going to do nuts because we kind of covered this space and want to do more um he decided to go into the cleaning business side i was like i'm not doing that i i mean i got married so i wouldn't have to clean so i'm not trying to continue to clean for other folks so he started cleaning business, which is doing really successful. He just spanned out to Tennessee. So he has biggest Tennessee and a couple other places that he, he's covering and he does music. I decided to go the route of learning technology. So that's kind of how I got to technology space on development. So I learned that. Um, had some, some app development companies, things like that. But the biggest lift for me was when I raised like a quarter million dollars to start a coding school. And that was like my first like look of venture capital like fundraising i never realized how tough it was i had an easy conversation with folks because i was already out in the communities spoke on the the senators panels and things like that and that's how i got discovered i had an easy transition but raising any money after that was where it became tough i literally had people ask me would you go to school you know what makes you think that you should be able to raise this much money you know and they were looking at my age at the time i was 27 they look at my age, they're looking at, you know, young black males trying to raise dollars for a company. What makes him think he can do that? And I got that quite a lot. I got a ton of no's. And that's when I was like, all right, we had an option to sell because we had some really good content. So we had an option to sell and make a dollar or we can keep going and, and my blood pressure go through. So we decided to kind of sell and get out of that. I mean, we made a ton of money. And like you said, other people's money, I never put anything into the coding school. Like we got funding before we actually had to go out and do much work. So, you know, besides my time, which I find very valuable, I learned a lot through that process. 
to lead others and make those sound decisions to, you know, do you sell and, you know, everyone comes out making a dollar or do you keep going and eventually run out of funds to where you can't pay your, your, your team? So I made the more most more logical um, choice, but I also learned how to build a really dope team. Like my team today, we all still hang out. We're in a bowling league together coming up. Like I built a really great team where I said I wanted to figure out how to make funding not an issue for others. And it- hear- I was just going to say, y'all hear this, y'all? My man's venture capitalist. He done already raised $4 million for a coding school, and he's a Bunker Lab ambassador out in Nevada. This is the caliber of people we got in the Bunker Lab ecosystem. I'm like, man, I need to hit you up offline to talk <laughs> about fundraising for Ironbound. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, on top of that, I sit on board for the Jackson Tech District. So if you don't know Jackson, Mississippi is where I'm originally from. We don't have a lot of technology. We don't have a lot going for us. My cousin, she took all her, like a lot of her money and she created Jack, Jackson Tech District, uh, 26 acres of land and like doing awesome things. And that's where I really figured out how like I wanted to start a VC firm. Well, at least be a part of one. I'm not going to say start one. I think starting one kind of came when I got into one. But she raised money. Like the Trustmark Bank, Black Bank down in Mississippi, like all these different parts, Amazon, all these people pitching in to help her grow a dream that's going to make a huge impact in how we see technology in the secluded Black areas. So when me and Bruce had the conversation about Mech Ventures, I was already on board. Like he said, like titles didn't mean a thing to us at the beginning. We just wanted to start something. The titles kind of came in. We were like, what do we call ourselves? You know, and I think that's the cool part about it is to us, like we're general partners. But anyone that's involved with us becomes family. And at the end of the day, we're building a brand and a movement. Most VC firms, they're in it for the dollars. But by building a brand and a movement, it actually does a whole lot more for all communities that we touch. So for Bunker to be part of that, it, it kind of led me to be like this leader, it's, at least in the veteran space here in Nevada, where people come to me for all fundraising issues. Like, oh, I'm looking to do ABC. At the end of the day, you know, failures is a thing, but we are, I'm learning every single day. Like, I didn't go to school for this. This is not my primary job in the military. I don't think that's the actual thing outside of, you know, being a money management person in the military. But we are learning every day. And me and Bruce, I think, I talk to Bruce more than I talk to my wife and on a Monday through Friday in the eight hours spent. But we're learning and we're sharing all our knowledge and the community that we built around us, all the people that's helping us build net, that's truly how you grow really dope ecosystems for VCs. You surround yourself around the people that you kind of need to grow and blossom. And the hardest piece for us is letting people know that we're not a POC only fund. We fund innovation and dope ideas that exist. Most people see two black GPs and they just assume, oh, you're only funding black founders. <laughs> that is the total opposite of what we're doing. Like we if we only funded black founders, then we're discriminating against all others. And that's not the look that we want to do. Today what Martin King's you know birthday that everyone celebrated this on this Monday. But the meant that he fought for equality for all. And we're creating a fund where we don't want to be seen as POC only investors. But uh, uh, investors for all and that's kind of why I love the fact that I met Bruce and I love the fact that we had the same mindset and the same hustle and grind to continue building what we're building how did you guys come up with the name Mech Ventures 
So that would fall on to me. <laughs> uh, so kind of my role here, one of my big roles here is handling like marketing and branding and everything. Um, but I am a big fan of anime. I grew up watching anime. I love anime. And kind of like every company I've ever launched kind of has like some sort of anime theme to it or reference to it. So how we came up with Mech was um, I love like robots in anime. In anime, they're called mechs or mechas. Um, and so I was just like, let's just call it mech. It's something easy. It rolls off the tongue. It's going to be very hard to get confused with any other firm out there. So that's why we roll with mech. I'm going to take off my armor. Before I was Iron Mike and a three-time national boxing champion and Marine Infantry officer, I was part of the anime club in high school. <laughs> I used to I used to be the guy at the back of the room watching Trigon, you know, Afro Samurai, all that stuff. So uh, that's cool. That's interesting. And I love the fact, like, I'm a brand guy. So I love the fact that, like, you tapped into your core and, like, put that into the name. Now, how has what how was the reception once you guys rolled out inside the launcher fund? Because I'll be honest, on the back of George Floyd, it just seemed like everybody was doing something. Everyone's launching a fund, right? And there's not that many black VCs in general. So it seemed like I don't want to say space is crowded, but just in a sense of, you know, a lot of people were going to the same people for dollars and money. And so I'm interested to know when you guys came out and said, Hey, we're launching Mech Ventures, we're raising this fund. What was the reception like uh, for you all? Well, I think it was pretty good because we we very we came out with very, kind of a strong messaging of like we're not a POC only fund, and that our our personal basis is like inclusivity is going to be the key to progress in society, um, and that's something that's very important to us. We don't want to miss out on the next Airbnb or Uber solely because of what someone looks like for us. That's like entirely counterproductive. Um, for what we're trying to do for the future. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's been pretty receptive so far. Um, and then obviously we're, we're going pretty heavy with like marketing and really just uh, really separating ourselves from the rest of the VC. So it's, uh, people have been embracing it. Obviously some people are like a little like, oh, this is something new and something different. And so people are a little scared of something new and different. But for, I would say for the most part, people people have really embraced it. Let's give our listeners a quick crash course in starting a venture capital fund, Mario. All right, so you come up with this idea to start a fund. You need to find what's called limited partners, right? These are the ones that are going to invest money in the fund. And then from there, you know, you have a management fee set up that allows you to go out, do the day-to-day, you know, manage deal flow, meet with founders, you know, be fiscally responsible and deploy that capital, right? what, What am I missing here? Now you spot on. I think <laughs> starting starting getting the name and all that's the easy part. That limited partner piece, that's the challenging piece. It's selling people on your vision that not only can you manage their funds well enough to make sound decisions, but to get them to give you money, right? Like they're gonna ask you to I think me and Bruce, our first ever conversation with this um East Chalk Capital, he asked us a question and we were unprepared for it. Right, because everything's a learning process, and I think we both looked at each other virtually, like, how do we answer this? But it's being transparent. A lot of people come into these meetings and they want to just let people hear what they need to hear to get the money, and then they don't get past fund one because they spent their whole time trying to suck up to so many people and making all these adjustments to their fund. Well, I would say the hard part is 
selling people on your vision. We're selling people every day. Like I said, part of our conversations is, are your PC, POC only fun? No, we're not. We fund innovation. Oh, okay. How did the name come up, right? Like, oh, well, that's our Bruce department. Because me, I'm a very simple person. Names mean nothing to me. It's about the mission. So I'm like, Bruce, you got this, yo. You're the branding guy. And I actually, I'm happy he chose that because it looks well on the shirt, too. So I rock my shirts all the time. But, um, you know, after you get that, that those limited partners, then find a deal flow. Another, like, unique thing for us is we want to talk with founders. Founders, even though it's hard to talk with LPs, it's also hard to talk with founders because every founder, even the dopest ideas, don't have to take your money. Like, you can just buy wrong with the, the right founder, but they don't want to work with you at all. So, it, like, you're constantly trying to make sure that your brand is associated and, and works well with anyone that you're associated with. Because if not, you can miss out on those Ubers and those Lyfts just because of how they perceive you. So, it's, it's a constant grind. I, I'm on Twitter a lot more now because of the VC space. I never was. But I've, I've been a bit fan of um, Mac from Rare VC. And I love everything he puts out there because they're very knowledge bombs. Not only does he look like me, but he shares the struggle of learning and going and having a cool community around him to help him grow. But he literally, you know, posts all these 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 gems. And he, he recently posted something about how his LPs is what made him what he is today. His LPs believe in him and therefore he can go find quality founders. And I love that because our first LP, shout out to my, I'm doing a lot of shout outs to my boy Chris. He's the first person hey, shout that, out to Chris. yeah, shout out to Chris. Like without Chris, there won't be a Mech Ventures yet. There will be one. It just won't be going as fast as it was without. He, he's our first LP. And he's seen all the work I did to try to promote our veteran community here in Vegas and just a lot of things. And it took Bruce actually telling me, like, yo, you have a good support system. Because at the time, like, Bruce was just, I mean, Chris was just a good friend. But now, like, yo, he's part of my support system. He gave us our first, you know, investment into our fund. And that's what really led to me to believe that I'm able to do this. And, you know, just full disclosure, Chris is does not look like none of us on this call. Like Chris is, you know, fifty plus like old white guy in commercial real estate. But he'd be the first one to tell you, I'm not doing this because I pity you. I do this because I believe in you. And he believes in me because he sees what I put in what I put in and I don't ask for anything out of it. And I never asked for anything from Chris and yet he wrote the first check. Like he he's that guy. So, you know, VC space is it's weird because people think we're only asking people for money to invest, but sometimes it's also a platform where people that believe in you wants to see your dreams come true, no matter what like paths you walk. I always think of that moment when I got the Ironbound Boxing Academy, right? Like I've been telling everybody, oh, I was going to do a boxing gym. I'm going to do a boxing gym. Then I get the space. And it's like that. Now what moment? What was that like for y'all when y'all got that first check? And it's like, yo, man, this is real now. You know, like our names are on this. This is not just an idea anymore. Now it's kind of put up or shut up. That's what it was. It was put up or shut up, but there wasn't, it was just a brief, like five minutes of like, wow, that's really dope, man. We pulled this off. And then we're just immediately like, all right, we talking to next. This is, these are our next setup of meetings. Like, here's what we got planned. And, you know, we just, we're, we're in go mode. And I, that's what I like the most about Mario, to be honest. I've, I've always said, if I had five of me, I could take over the world. 
And so then when I met Mario, I was like, oh man, this is this is another me right here, just someone who's just like always on the move. So it was it was just a natural progression for us to team up and, and create Mech. Now, one of the things that separate venture capital firms is like, like you said, branding, but there's also the investment thesis, the way you think and how you approach investing the founders and stuff. What are you guys looking for? What is y'all's investment thesis at uh, Mech Ventures? Bruce always says it better than I do because I'm one of these people that, that fills a room. But for me, and our thesis actually has a meaning behind it. There's a concrete purpose, but it means something different to everyone. And for me, it's providing that, that opportunity to get other people that look like us into VC. And the only way by, of doing that is by finding those, those super dope unicorns. And that all plays a role with our team that we build. And then Bruce is going to come in on the tail end with all the, the metrics <laughs> for that. Oh, yeah. So our, our core thesis is investing in the future of pop culture. Um, and we use pop culture because we believe pop culture drives the evolution of society. A lot of people think pop culture is just like whatever's hot at the moment that comes and goes. But it's like, no, pop culture drives everything. Like social media is pop culture. We, you know, so when, you know, when Instagram and Facebook came in, they created whole new industries. Now crypto's in place. Crypto's created a whole new industry of fintech. Now, it, I would even say crypto is far more than fintech now. Crypto is just its own industry um, in itself, gaming and its entire industry, sneakers, entire industry now. Um, and these are things that are, are, you know, they're pop culture, but they, they have really driven and they've become the vehicle to drive a society to just become better. So we want to invest in those companies that are really pushing um, society to become better to, you know, help people connect and just provide, you know, a lot of positivity and light into the world. So we want to invest in those companies. So give us some examples. So when I'd say that, I'd say, so we'll, we'll list like some of the industries we're looking at, obviously gaming, esports, crypto, NFTs, AR, VR technology, obviously the metaverse, because it's, it's here, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, the future of work, social media, um, music tech, just, you know, anything that falls within that thesis we're looking at. So when people ask us, like, what exact industries we're looking at, we kind of say industry agnostic as long as it fits within that thesis. You bring up a good point about pop culture because I was talking to someone else about this other day. Like, a lot of these apps don't pop off until the culture arrives. You know, <laughs> like, once once Travis Scott goes on Clubhouse and all this other stuff, they bring a following, people get it, you know, we like to say popping. You know, but you're right. I just feel to it. Like yes. people say, people say Black Twitter, but then and then it's funny when I talk to people that are on Twitter. They're like, "What's Black Twitter?" I'm like, "Black Twitter is Twitter." It really is. Like Twitter. there is no Twitter without us. Yeah, and this part of it is like capturing that value too, right? So like we bring all this energy and engagement and all these people on these platforms, but it's like, what are we doing as a culture to capture some of that value? and reinvest that value into causes that matter in communities and stuff. So uh, that's exciting. Now, yeah, a lot of it too comes down to just monetizing our worth. I think a lot of us just don't understand the concept of just how to monetize what we, what the value is that we as a culture, we bring to these platforms. So I think that's what we're looking to, to really help shape too, is helping people, you know, create that value and monetize it. I got to say too, when we created. Like when Bruce came to me, like, yo, we should look into pop culture. 
before he explained it to me, I was like, yo, we're investing in the Taylor Swifts and the Selena Gomez's of the world. Because that's what pop was to me. And you go and Google, like, pop culture, popular culture, there's a full definition behind this. I'm like, I am pop culture. I was born during this era. Like, I'm wearing Hey Arnold socks right now. Like, this is what, like, we're getting to. Everything that I wear my socks, I go to the airport, people are like, oh, I know that show. It's literally a movement of how we move that needle of innovation from just being to what it is, you know, an idea to that part of execution. And that's the, the beauty of pop culture. It's pop culture, they're full of executors. There won't be a Facebook if they didn't execute on the idea. And that's the beauty, you know, that we're bringing to the table when we say we want to find those companies. We want to move that needle from when they're in the idea stage and just selling things out of the garage or, you know, just putting up YouTube videos to, we're about to make this reality because we know what you have and how it's going to move the needle forward for us. And the Bruce's point, about you know video games right there's so many different ways these things are spinning off like i was watching arcane i don't even play league of legends right but if y'all haven't seen arcane on netflix check it out but you took a video game that's expanding to a tv show they're expanding it into action figures so there's so many different ways like you said pop culture is even scaling beyond just like their one platform whether it's music video video games etc yeah. Now, I say pop culture is anything that just pushes society to be better and communicate with each other more. That's for me, that's pop culture. Got it. Now, you've already got the hard part of okay, we got to go out, we got to raise funds from the LPs, but we also got to find founders that have the grit and resilience to get that return. So, as you all are looking for founders, right? What kind of characteristics and stuff are you looking for that you find that that you feel like make a successful founder? Like, how are you placing your bets? Man, one of the key things for me is we got to find somebody that I would want to be friends with for the next ten years. This is a long term play, so I got to you know we, we're looking for someone that not only do we believe can execute on the vision that was presented to us. But someone that we, you know, we don't mind having calls with multiple times a week for the next several years because we're going to be working with them and helping them with whatever resources we need to take their startup to the next level. What about you, Mario? Same. I actually look at passion. I believe passion kind of fuels anyone's project. So if you're in it for the money, that, that burns out real fast. Like, you're not going to continue going at it. You're going to the next venture. But someone that's passionate, and if you take MailChimp as a perfect example, is they never bought and said anything. They were passionate about their product, and it drove them to be, you know, over $10 billion in acquisition <laughs> later on down the line. And that's because they were passionate. They didn't sell out. They didn't think it was a bad idea. And that, that passion drove them to become bigger than what they were. And that's what I'm literally looking at. Like, you can do a deck all day. You can give me statistics. I want to. I want to know what wakes you up in the morning. What wakes you up in the middle of the night? Like, what's getting you to the next level? You could do. A, you had the dopest slide deck, but slide deck is just information you put on sides and slides. That means nothing to me until I actually see everything in action. Who your team is, how you chose them, what you look to bring to the table, and where you see yourself in two years. Because at the end of the day, like you said, we're going to be on tons of phone calls. We're going to ask for that board seat. You're going to get tired of us, but it's because we know where you can go. We're not trying to spend time with people that just want to 
get acquired because they know the money's there, you know, and move on to the next project. So as you all are looking towards your North Star, that BHAG, that big, hairy, audacious goal, what does it look like for Mech Ventures? Let me see. Um, North Star was at about five funds down the line. Um, we have a team of 123 people. 123 because it's 123. It's easy to say. It was off the tongue. But no, I, I see big things for us. And that's because we started out as a good duo. And we're hoping to grow our duo into something bigger than what we are. And really having our brand. I don't want to say we're a household name. Because me a household name, you kind of sold out, sold out to some corporate kind of span. But I want to be that person, and Bruce says it's best, where when people think venture capital, they think Mech Ventures. And if we do our job right and we do right by founders and LPs, then when people want to break into the space, we're the ones they come and talk to first. Is he, is he missing anything, Bruce? Man, he nailed it on the head, actually. Yeah, we want to be the first name that comes to mind when you are looking to raise funding. Or even not only looking to raise funding, but looking to get information about raising funding we want we want that we want to really be like the def jam the complex of venture capital of like not only the first thing but we want to be like that culturally relevant spot for just anything venture related or just startup related we want to be that place that hub that just kind of gives you everything you need to to get running with your company that's dope and i can see it right i was like the revolt you know what i mean like i, I can see these brands in my mind um that's really dope, man. I'm excited for y'all. And before we, you know, we wrap up this interview, what I want to give y'all an opportunity to is because as Mario knows, we have tons of veteran entrepreneurs and military spouses that are in the process of launching their venture, right? So they're going around raising, trying to get funding, et cetera. And I would love for you all to give them some advice about how to approach venture capitalists. Because a lot of times, right, it's one thing where, like, people come up with these ideas in a box. But for you to have you guys kind of here on the platform that are on the other side of the table cutting the checks, I would just love for you to share some advice um, for, for our listeners as they, you know, try to raise some capital. I would say storytelling has now become a key component in raising capital. Um, in the world of hip-hop, the old adage goes, or at least in the hip-hop industry, the old adage goes, People either want to be you or they want to believe you. So make them feel like they're part of the journey or how they can be part of the journey and where you're going to go in the next five to 10 years and how they can be part of this journey with you. Dope. So I actually have, because I am an ambassador here in Vegas, I have a totally different view. And this is actually what we tell our people in our cohort. But um, there's a couple different ways to get funding. VC is not the first thing that should come to mind for a lot of people. I'm actually a big fan of crowdfunding. I'm actually a partner with WeFunder. Um, crowdfunding should be, for most people entering our, our programs, crowdfunding should be the first thing that you're looking at. And then if that goes well and you raise your dollars, angel investment, then VC. You only look at VC if you're looking to get acquired in like five, 10 years. You come in looking at VC day one. You're not looking to build a dream. You're looking to build a, a, a money mess to try, you know, sell out and go to the next one. But I would say, like, really know who you're talking to, and don't be afraid to ask those questions. Because until I figured out, when I had my coding school, I probably could have went the crowdfunding route, which I probably should explore instead of the VC. I probably would still have that, and it would have been mad successful. 
that probably missed out on millions of dollars that could be made. I don't regret it, but if I would have had someone to ask to ask those questions to, I would have been more like more informed on the decisions I made. So utilizing that network that you have, and I'm actually in the Slack channel, right? Like utilizing the network and ask those questions as you grow your business is key because no VC wants you to have to help you figure out the, the answers to your questions. We expect that you have the answers already. So utilize everyone around you to really grow yourself as well as your companies before you seek out that kind of funding. What books and resources do you recommend people listen to that are interested in starting their own venture fund? So I actually like what Black VC, B-L-C-K, VC has out there. It's actually like a free platform and you can apply, you know, through certain um, channels to learn a lot about VC. Medium has also been my friend. <laughs> I've learned a lot from there. And like, you know, YouTube University is like one of the best things out there. Um, and, uh, you know, there's tons of books, but I would say like that's kind of linear. Hearing interviews is key. 30 Minute VC is also a really good podcast. Um, Bruce had me listen to my very first um, podcast in there because my boy Matt the VC was on there. And I listened to it, but I've also listened to like maybe 10 hours worth of uh, podcasts after that. And it's a lot of good information. What about you, Bruce? Any recommendations? Uh, for me, without their permission by Alexis Ohanian. Um, he's the founder, well, co-founder of Reddit. Um, and it's really just uh, an interesting story about how him and his co-founder created Reddit. Um, but this can, you know, the gems in that book can be applied not only to startups, but can be applied to anybody looking to launch a VC firm. It's like, as long as you have a computer and some internet, you can create something world-changing. Like, you don't have to... Like, you always hear these grand stories of, like, how Facebook started and all these things. But, you know, everybody has their own journey and their own... The way that it, that it moves. So, yeah, Alexis... I mean, without their permission changed my entire life like i wouldn't be where i am today without that book like that was what i read right before i launched my first startup noted i'll be sure to put those uh links in our show notes we've got listeners tuning in from all over the country all over the world veterans and military spouse entrepreneurs what closing remarks would you two gentlemen like to leave them with and then as a community how can we support and elevate and make you win at Mech Ventures? I would say closing remarks for me is really like, like really be humble with the community that you have. Like this podcast is part of my community. Like I share it every chance I get. And it's not because I have to, because I know Mike, but it's because I know he's helping someone else in the, as an end user. Like share your resources whenever you get the opportunity to, because through that is the power for growth. So by sharing this podcast that you hear today is going to help us grow with our branding and our branding is key for our success on our side. So I asked both questions into one, one line, but yeah, like just sharing like what you have and don't, don't, don't be stingy. Don't, don't try to think this you're, you're losing out because you share and someone gets opportunity. Your the opportunities that I get through this podcast is going to come back to my tenfold because I'm never going to forget this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be able to have this conversation with, like you said, two black VCs, but also 
with a, someone that's directing the direction of podcasts through our community being a black founder. Any, what about yeah. you, Bruce? For me, um, know why you're getting into this game and what the reasons are. Um, if you're just coming into this looking for you know the big check, you're going to burn out rather quickly because this is a long-term play. So um, just know why you're getting in. Make sure you have a passion for it and just understand you know, the money's going to come. And so you got to put in the hard work before you get there. Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure to have you guys talking to our audience today. I'm fired up. I'm excited for y'all's journey. Um, and community, we got to get out there and support them. Share this podcast, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs, those of you looking to raise capital or start a venture capital fund. Man, this is the power of these platforms. And uh, again, it's been an honor having you here. And for everyone that's tuning in, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to make sure you subscribe to the Transition Newsletter at the link in the show notes. I send out a newsletter once a week sharing an episode of the Transition. And you can also comment on the newsletter and let me know what topics you'd like me to cover on the show or what guests you would like me to invite. Um, I appreciate y'all for tuning in with us week over week. Make sure you're also checking out BunkerLabs.org taking advantage of these amazing programs for the military connected community a veteran entrepreneur or military spouse wants to start a business send them to bunkerlabs.org it's a great place to start again people like mario and myself are part of the community to help support you on your entrepreneurial journey until next time everyone peace love and have a great rest of your week